Hey, my friends, thanks for stopping by for another episode of Real Live Talk. Really appreciate you for taking a moment to check out this conversation with my friend Jeff Dio. If you don't know who Jeff is, you'll hear his bio in just a moment, so stay tuned for that. But uh, in this conversation, Jeff and I, we dug into the topic of worship, authentic worship, what it means to be a true worshiper, what God is looking for in a worshiper. And uh, we talked about our corporate expression of worship as well as individual expression of worship. It was a conversation that uh, I really personally benefited from and really, really enjoyed. And I know you're going to get a lot of value out of it. If this conversation blesses you, encourages you, challenges you, makes you think, or anything like that, if you would be so kind to consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, that would be absolutely amazing. Uh, Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or even on Spotify now, you can do it there. It really helps a lot, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. So if you're listening on one of those platforms, thank you in advance for considering uh, leaving a review, subscribing, all that good stuff. And uh, now without further ado, thanks again for being here. Let's go into this conversation with Jeff Dio. Jeff Dio, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff, uh, so good to see you again, my brother. Uh, Thanks for coming back on the podcast. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Duke, man. It's really cool to be here. Yeah, man. Uh, for just let me, let me just mention uh, for anybody who does not know who uh, who Jeff is, uh, Jeff Dio. First of all, it's pronounced Dio, and Jeff is so so kind to put the the pronunciation up there uh, for for us to see. For anybody watching watching this video live, you gotta get it right, man. You gotta get it right. <laughs> how many people just you know? How many people default to saying it wrong? I would imagine it's way more than half say it wrong. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Left to their own devices. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and then people will, you know, they've heard it on the radio. They've heard, you know, different places on podcasts or whatever. And, you know, of course, then they will spread the word the wrong way. I've also found yeah. that, you know, I'll go to an event and I'll I'll actually right before I go on or something, they're going to introduce me. I'll say, and they'll say, hey, is it, is it Dio or Deo? And and then I'll say it's yeah it's Dio it's not Deo. Well, that confuses them. They walk on the stage and like, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Deo. So I decided it's <laughs> just the letters D O. Just say D O and you're good. So mm-hmm. do people sing the song? Do people sing no, the song? They do. And then you're they like, do. that's not even especially, my name, dude. Especially at the airport, um, you know, they see my ID and they're like, Deo, Deo. <laughs> And they think that they're the first person that's ever done that. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody thinks they're hilarious. It's like, like, hey, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> I never made that connection. Gosh, I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Occasionally, inside, you're just there, dying right? inside. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I've heard this eighteen thousand times. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was going to say, so Jeff, uh, Jeff Dio is known internationally as the former lead singer of the Grammy nominated Dove Award winning, winning, winning band Sonic Flood, uh, which was just like the biggest band in the world when I was a teenager in youth group and, uh, just awesome. It's amazing. Uh, he's the creator of the Pure Worship podcast and the Pure Worship Institute, also a professor at North Central University in Minneapolis and travels the world leading worship, speaking and coaching worship teams. Uh, last time you were here, we talked about uh, your book, which was uh, had uh, pretty much just been released, um, your, your book Spark. And uh, I think prior to that, we talked a little bit on the first time you were here. We talked a little bit about um, uh, your other book and uh it's just been cool, man. I have some follow-up questions if that's cool and just that uh, we can get yeah. into some just new stuff as well. But um, I see you're sporting the Broncos jersey. 
I was going to ask, I wasn't sure if maybe you were a Vikings fan, but I guess you haven't been in Minneapolis for. I haven't. Or, you know, we, we lived in, we've lived in Minneapolis for about 12 years. Um, and I will root for the Vikings as long as they're not playing the Broncos. But I, I grew yeah. up my elementary school years in Denver. And so I, and we, we had season tickets. We had two season tickets just for a few years. Uh, and my dad would kind of alternate taking me and my sister uh, to the games, huge fans since we were little. And so it has just stuck with me through the good and through the bad. <laughs> so yeah. and I normally do not, I mean, I'm not like a big person. I would, I don't think I've ever worn a Broncos shirt on something like this. But today is Monday Night Football, you know, this the time that we're recording this. And so it's happening tonight, this, this first game where, you know, Russell Wilson is now the new quarterback for the Broncos. Mm -hmm. He's with Seattle. The Broncos are going to Seattle to play. And so it's kind crazy. of a big deal. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, that's crazy. Are you excited? Are you excited to have Russell Wilson and just oh, everything? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm. You know, I mean, I was pretty excited. Well, actually, when, when Peyton Manning came to the Broncos, I was pretty angry because I was like, I don't like this guy. He was the he was the arrival <laughs> for so long. Yeah. And uh, my perspective was that he was a little bit, uh, you know, uh, arrogant. But but then once he started yeah. winning for us, I'm like, hey, all right, let's go, Peyton. <laughs> Everything changes. Everything changes, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yes, we are yeah, definitely for a quarterback. I think we've had 18 starting quarterbacks since Peyton. So really happy about uh, Wilson coming on board. Yeah, man. Very cool. Yeah. So you got the Monday night game. I should have thrown on my Giants jersey, man. And we could have, yeah. we could have. Uh, hey, well done that. on that win too, man. <laughs> yeah. We had a broke the curse, man. Finally right? won our season opener and it was a nail biter right. and uh brand new head coach. And they made that gutsy call to go. I mean, 20 to 19, with a minute and like yep. I think nine seconds, and they made that call to go for two, and I was like freaking out. Like, I mean, oh. I was, I was like, I cannot what? believe we're doing this right now. <laughs> if it works, you're a hero. If not, you're uh, fired. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think he won our hearts, man. I think yeah. he I think he did something special, and uh, I think he knows it. I think I think you know it was, it was yeah. just a gutsy thing to put it on the line like that. Did I see also, because I was watching a couple different games, but did I see also that they came back and uh, was it Washington you guys were playing or who were you playing? Uh, we were playing. <laughs> I can't think of who we were oh, playing. It wasn't Washington. Uh, we were playing the Titans. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Tennessee, Nashville. Uh, yeah, but did they come back team. and actually miss a field goal to win it too? Is that yeah. like oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it must have really and been like this. Oh. <laughs> dude and yeah man and it was so crazy because that's one of those things that always happens to us where we lose in the closing seconds by a point or two because right. the other team kicks a field goal and it's usually like a 55 footer mm -hmm. like i mean i have so many memories over the past few years of that just being the case losing games in the last like in the final seconds yeah. and this was only i think it was like a 48 yard i don't remember how yeah. many how long it was but it was you know not like a crazy long one yeah. but i was like oh man this is terrible it's over like and uh but yeah yeah it was just it was fun it, it was, was a good awesome. it was a it was a cool moment yeah that's awesome i love yeah, I'm it excited Very cool. yeah <laughs> <Congrats. laughs> um <laughs> so i wanted to ask you um because i i actually i don't think i'm brought this up last time but um in reading your book and let me just uh shout out to the book spark 
a comprehensive worship leadership handbook, igniting the culture of pure worship in your teams and your congregation available on Amazon, uh, as well as your other book, Awakening Pure Worship. And if you haven't heard the other two conversations with Jeff Dio, I encourage you guys to go back and check those out. Gold. I mean, just gold on on worship and really just uh, cultivating that that lifestyle of worship in your personal life, but also in our churches and just uh, facilitating that atmosphere of going deeper with the Lord and enjoying his presence and experiencing him and just learning what it is to become a, a true worshiper. And uh, so I encourage you guys to go back and check that out. Um, in, in reading your book, I noticed that there is something that seems like it's you don't have very much tolerance for. And it's when people misspell the word worshiper <laughs> or worshiping or something like that. And it really seems like there might be some I, I want to help. I want to help you, Jeff. It seems like there might be that. some offense there. You know, there's, there's there's pronunciations that we work on, and then there's spelling that we work on. You'd think that maybe I'm an educator or something, you know, like <laughs> professor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I always just wanted to know. Really, is the big deal because I would see, you know, these books come out and it'd be worshiper with two P's, you know, or whatever. Uh, and then um, I would then, of course, I looked it up or I would spell check it, and it actually could be uh done with either way so i was like what that frustrates me like spell checks yeah. okay with two p's or one p i'm like what what is the real deal here so i'll even tell you in fact what's ironic is uh, i'm teaching our worship leading class right now at north central we just started back to school um a week and a half ago mm. so this tuesday so uh yeah tomorrow um, I'm going to be teaching on authenticity in worship leadership. But awesome. before I get into that lecture, I'm actually going to hit this very topic. Nice. And uh, the way that I have it here, just to kind of clarify for some people, uh, it's kind of like this. You, truth, we, we would never, because the question is, is it two Ps or one P? Most people mm -hmm. assume like the rule would be two Ps, right? Because you're like, oh, if you got worship, you got worshiping or worshiper, then you're going to add another P. But uh, we would never write the word benefiting with two Ts or counseling with two Ls. Right. Uh, we'd never write the word listening with two Ns. Two Ns, yeah. That would or never offered with two Rs. Um, and that is because uh, the, the rule basically says that if there is a word where you uh, like, like the word worship is worship. So you have accented syllable, unaccented syllable. Mm -hmm. If you have that type of word like focus, travel, cancel, worship, those words do not require a double consonant at the end when adding an ed or ing a suffix or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so you know, be like uh, for words like beginning or acquitting or controlling, you're gonna want to add those. Right. But like words like follow, like you're gonna add two w's. Following, right? Uh, hunger. Oh, yeah, crazy. Hungering wouldn't add two r's, or ripening wouldn't add two n's. But those words, it's because of the accent. <laughs> well, I'm just yeah, like, so look, if we're going to do this right, we're in college, we're, we're in the university, let's get it right, you know. So now I will say this, uh, in places like uh, 
England, um, they would the United Kingdom. They would add some of those double suffixes or double uh, consonants at the end of some of these words. Not still not most of them. Like follow, they wouldn't hunger, ripening, but but actually with so so you will see like when Matt Redman writes the word worshiper, he will use two Ps. And that is more of their culture mm. than it is. I think we kind of rebelled against that culture as a... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the true worshipers yeah. <laughs> spell it correctly. So why um, waste a P, man? Which is the Ameri you know, <laughs> the American way is always correct, right? Right. And it's simpler uh, too. It's simpler. It just looks funny to me with two P's anyway. So just say it does. I'm pretty sure I struggled with that in the past. Um, but I eventually, you know, learned the error of my ways and you know, well, and I'll give you this right. too. Unless you're reading the King James version, mm -hmm. like even New King James, every other version that I've seen, the Bible itself uses one P as well. So the King James uses two. I, I believe it does. I believe it does. So if you're a King Dude, James, like if you can read nothing but the King James, then then I would say, hey, you're gonna have to go with the two P's there. But uh, every other version that I've looked at uses the single p people like louis giglio uh people like bob storie uh so many of these you know worship gurus around the world yeah. i've always seen them using a single p as well all right well i'm going to i'm looking this up yeah so we're going to john 423 there it is right that's the, one. the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers yep. shall worship the father in spirit and in truth yep. um yeah, so they do the two Ps. Yeah, it is okay. the way you just you described it, the way you, with like some of those different words and those examples. It's amazing how many words you had on reserve. Like you've had you've this is a deep rooted thing that you're just I trying to break down funny, this. Bro. It's like a principality we're just trying to tear down and you've got so much just yeah. ammo in your arsenal there and yeah. I appreciate it. But yeah, like yeah, so if the stress is on the first part of the word like counsel yeah. Yep. you're not like counseling like you're not you're not yeah. doing that so yeah you can kind of hear it Follow. yeah so worship worshiping yeah yeah worshiping yeah. i still teach it to my students and they'll write a paper for me and they still do the two p thing i'm like dude were you not there that day what's happening yeah you know, like even if you don't agree you know you should at least do it right for the professor you know yeah uh it's crazy uh well segue let's segue um we so i just read that verse where it says um john 4 23 the hour uh is coming and now is when the true worshipers because i remember um that's something that you write about in in uh, your book spark as well that i'm pretty sure we did not get a chance to touch on last time yeah. but you you talk about that word true there and and that the idea of true worshipers would you um just get into that a little bit and just talk about what what you what that means to you. Yeah, for sure. You know, when I think about it, there's a lot of, obviously a lot of different angles you can utilize this scripture to kind of go in. And I kind of use this to kind of bounce off to talk about different things uh, when it comes to what worship means. You know, in the, uh, I think it's the 15th chapter of Spark, I actually highlight this verse as we look to see like, what are some of the things that that would define or what are some of the characteristics of true worshipers so as we kind of take it from that that side but what i think what you're talking about i talk about this um in chapter 
two, I believe that's the one on authenticity. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I, I like to look at this verse and kind of look at different words that maybe sometimes we miss. And one of the words, before I get to the word true, is the word looking. Because I don't know how many people out there would, would say, I think we probably have all been there where we said, you know, I just want to know, Lord, what do you want from me? Like, what do you want? I just want to do, you know, I just want to do what you want me to do. And, yeah. you know, I, I really want to understand because sometimes it feels like, you know, this book here is just there's so much. How do we discern? What does it mean yeah. How, by the spirit? But but it's there's you just want some clarity, you know. And so yep. when this verse says the father is looking for it's like i want a big drum roll right there you know like mm. here it is baby here's one of the things it's not the only <laughs> the thing right? you've been waiting for this is it right i mean because reading this whole book just to get to this <laughs> yes i mean yeah. it literally says the father is looking I'm like what do you want lord you know and so mm. i'm thinking okay so on the other side of the father is looking for is something very important you know and of course mm. we know the whole bible is very important but we do know that there are things that god highlights there's a this spot here or this spot here was, Hey, you know, you got the Matthew, mm, well, the story about um, Mary and Martha where mm -hmm. Mary's sitting yeah. at the Lord's feet. And it said that Jesus said, well, Mary has discovered the one thing, right? So you go, Oh, okay. Yeah. So there, if you could take all the things, what's the one thing, you know? So it kind of highlights that thing over some other things that are important, you know? So that's what this is to me. It's like, okay, this is something that I can identify clearly that God is looking for. What is he looking for? Well, he's looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. But it doesn't just, I love, you know, it doesn't just say uh, worshipers. The fact that Jesus uses the qualify, the qualifier there, true worshipers, tells me something. Mm. It tells me that people in Jesus' day, or probably did the same thing that we do in this day. We actually wrongly define the word worshiper too. Uh, wow. In a sense, we might go, oh, worship. Yeah, that's that thing we do before the sermon, which is true, but I actually call that musical worship. You know, we know that worship is so much bigger than music, right? Yes. <laughs> and so the, the idea of true worship, it suggests a few things to me. One of the things it suggests to me is, okay, if there can, number one is that we need the qualifier, you know, that's like, okay, it's not just uh, the father is looking for worshipers, but no, he's looking for a specific yeah. kind of worshiper, true, authentic, genuine worshiper, which tells me that if there can be true, authentic, genuine worshipers, there can also be the opposite of that as well. Otherwise, he mm -hmm. wouldn't need to clarify. Specify, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. specify, exactly. So it, then you got, then you start going, okay, wait a minute. What does that look like for me? Mm. You know, what, what does it mean to be a false worshiper? What does it mean to be ingenuine? You know, and there are a few different uh, passages that I see when we look at uh, some of this stuff. One of them is, is from Ecclesiastes 5.1. Ecclesiastes 5.1 says this, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Hmm. Don't be a fool who doesn't realize that mindless offerings to God are evil. 
like whoa okay dude whoa. like it's that like that's that's something that all of us have done we've all been in a church service where we sang through a song and kind of offered a mindless like i was unengaged i was thinking about lunch you know i was thinking about what the crazy person in front of me was wearing i don't know you know you know we get distracted yeah. right and so but and it's not that this is not to beat anybody over the head like oh you bunch of false worshipers right but it's just to bring to light a truth that we've got to be aware of we gotta go okay if it's possible to bring mindless offerings to god and he doesn't prefer them then what can we do to avoid bringing those? I mean, and it's not any big surprise that God doesn't like mindless offerings. We don't like them either. <laughs> you know, We don't like it when people come to us and pretend like they're hanging out with us, but they're scrolling on their phone the whole time. You know, We don't like it when somebody comes over to our house and they are calling somebody and they're just talking to them, but they're supposed to be hanging out with us. Like that's, yeah. you know, or they're doing something. They're not focused, right? So it's not like God is some kind of, well, God is so impatient you know like none of us like mindless offerings as well i don't like them for yeah. my life and she doesn't like yeah. them for me. <laughs> so Come on. yeah those are some of the things that, that it makes me start thinking about yeah no, that's really cool i you know I, lo I love that it says there that it's um uh true true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth right and it doesn't say there uh that it, it doesn't say that god is looking for worship so to speak it says that he's looking for worshipers and i think that that's really that that's really key with what you're talking about and it, and it's funny as you were you know kind of talking about that build up it's like oh like like this is it god's going to tell me what he's looking for and there's this there's this idea like there's this thing that i think we walk around with where it's like god i just wish i knew like what are you telling me to do where are you telling me to go like i want it to be clear i want it to be this and it's like, yeah, like it's important. Like God wants us to have clarity and direction and he wants us to know like what he expects of it. Like, like that stuff's important. But what's really important is the relational journey that we're on with him, yes. whereby being connected with his heart, he reveals those things to us and we come alive in him and we get to know, you know, what he's calling us to do and, and we get his heart for it. And it's not just this thing where God's like up in heaven shouting out commands yes. where it's like, like, I'm not even gonna, uh, so he's looking for true worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth that in, is like it's 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 amazing it's an amazing thing yeah. that we can have this conversation about about this and what that means but god wasn't sitting there like um and this is exactly what it looks like it's this many minutes and it's this many songs and it's this many it's yeah. this it, and it's funny because even in that same passage it, it kind of this this conversation about worship is prompted by the by the woman's question where she's like, you know, the, the Jews say that we're supposed to worship over there, but, you know, our fathers say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. And it's like this whole thing. And he's like, well, that's not even that's not even the point. It's not about yes. where. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I kind of elasticize that a little bit to be like, you know, he's getting to the heart of what worship is. It's not even about what it looks like. It's not. Yeah even about you know how it's done and the different things and you know we can get into some crazy stuff here you know in the in the uh americanized church of like oh, i'm not gonna worship i'm not gonna sing that song because i don't like it or i'm not gonna like, i don't like the way this worship leader sings or like yeah. they're missing notes they're missing key like they're at, they're at, they're at like you know things like that which i get it like especially as a musician you know it's it's yeah. it's tough to get past some of those things sometimes but 
at the end of the day, it's like, God, you're you're just you're worthy of my worship. And at the end of the day, you're not looking for a set formula of what worship is. You are looking, you are searching, your your heart is desiring worshipers. You're not an egotistical God yes. who's looking for something out of me that's just like you just want this worship because you thrive on my worship or you need right. my worship. Like it's it's not that at all. It's the relational yeah. component that God is looking for in our lives where we uh you know where we connect with him and there's this yeah just like that that relational element where god is looking for the worshiper uh spelled with one p by the way and uh not just like his egotistical desire for for worship out of you you know i think what you said is really significant and and it bears saying again that god's not looking for worship I mean, think about that. Like that verse doesn't say God is looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. And that really speaks to that human, you know, like people. Like he, he loves people and he's looking for people. He's not looking, as you said, you know, for just to stroke his own ego or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah, talk about absolutely. that in the book as well, saying that, you know, uh, worship is actually I talk about that in Awakening Pure Worship. And we probably talked about it, but worship is not for God. And you go, wait a minute, what do you mean? Worship not for God. Like worship actually changes us as he's exalted. But yeah. but the key is that he's looking for worshipers, you know. He's looking for worshipers. Uh, he's looking for people who will be in relationship with him, people who love him. And then, you know, uh the idea there that uh he's looking for authenticity as well, that, that it's that it should be real, that it should be genuine, it should be true. But these are, this is not just us going through the motions. This is not us clocking in and clocking out church attendance, you know, like, oh, I have to go to church so I can go to heaven kind of thing. He's not looking for a job or like us to do this because we have to, but because we want relationship with him. Yes. Uh, he's looking for true, true worshipers who will, who will seek him and know him and want to be with him. Amen. That's so good, Jeff. Um, so I have a question. Do, do you think um, when we talk about worship, so worship is supposed to be personal. It's not defined by, we talked about this, it's not defined by music. It's not defined by songs that we sing. Those are expressions right. yeah. of worship and definitely tools that help us, I think, yeah. to connect, especially on a corporate level and on an individual level too. Yeah. But um, do you think that worship is meant to be like for every individual person, worship a unique expression of every individual? Um, or like, are there specific ways to worship God? I guess from a scriptural standpoint, like, are there specific ways that we are called to worship God? Or is it more of a individualized kind of a thing where I define that with right. my relationship with God and it's kind of specific uh, to me. Do, do you get what I'm asking? Yeah, totally. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of debate on this type of topic. Um, the way that I process these things is that when God calls us from our culture to kingdom culture, it's like everything changes. We change, yeah. He doesn't change, and so it's good. You know, of course, you probably you probably know how I feel about this. 
but I want to try to help people understand because what I don't think God is calling us to be robotic in the sense that everybody needs to worship the same way all the time. You know, yeah, there are different versions of set expressions and all this stuff, but I do believe that there are some very clear directives when it comes to how God calls us to worship him. And I don't think it, uh, you know, a lot of people look at if they're resistant to any of that type of thing, which I was growing up, mm, I was resistant. Yeah. I was resistant to the ways that God had called me to worship in a biblical sense. It was because mm. I wasn't used to it. It wasn't part of my culture. And so anything that, that I was used to that went along with scripture, I was fine with. <laughs> but anything that, that brought me out of my known culture that I wasn't used to, then I'm like, oh, I don't, uh, you know, that must be for somebody else. Right. But I think when we when we think like that, then we're actually putting our culture above the kingdom. Come on. And we're yeah. also suggesting to God that, well, he, you know, he, like he's given us some certain directives. Um and I'm not, I'm not sure really how we would decide who gets to do what. Uh, I, I did this one study. It's actually in the appendix of Spark. And I just started going through the Bible. It's not exhaustive, but I started going through the Bible and looking for any time a group of people did something that had to do with worship in a sense. And I could never find any scriptures that said, and most of the people raised their hands. I could never find any scriptures said, and only the people who felt like shouting or who used to shouting in their time of worship shouted. I could never find anything like that. It just always said, and all the people fell on their face and worshiped God, or all the people lifted their hands and shouted, or and all the people, you know, it's like there was never any of those where it said, well, if you didn't feel like worshiping God, you didn't need to, or if, you, if it wasn't like normal for your culture, then you didn't need to you know, get on your knees and be still. It just says, be still and know that he's God, you know? So to me, yeah. and I think this is the thing people have to understand. If we, if God does call all people to do things like bow down, lift up their hands, sing, shout, dance, uh, be still, um, give thanks. You know, there's, there's a list, long list of things, right. That are in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, if he does call us to do those things, we have to get past the idea that we think God is trying to hurt us by giving us those directives. Because, I mean, and nobody's going to fight me on that. Right? Oh, no, God is trying to hurt us. No, they're not going to fight me on that. Mm. But but we act like he is trying to hurt us. But when he's yeah. saying, hey, I want you to lift up your holy hands. I want you to bow down before me. It's not like God needs that. Right. Come it's on. not like God's like, come on, get on your knees, get on your knees. Oh, it feels so good. It feels so good when you not, you know, it's not like he's saying lift up your hands. He's not like he's trying to make a fool of you either. Look at them, they're lift up their hands, they're dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if he's given us directives, my understanding of the of all of the Bible's directives, worship or not, you know, mm. is that they're good for us. So if he calls me to lift up my hands and I did not, I was not raised in that culture. But I remember the first time I went like this. <laughs> it was like a huge step for me. It was just one hand, one hand. Like, whoa, you know. I remember the first time I lifted one hand all the way up. It was like I almost passed out, you know. Yeah. But it changed the my heart. Like somehow when you engage your body, and now again, just because you lift your hands doesn't mean you're authentic. 
And it doesn't mean you're right. more spiritual than somebody else. You could do it fake, you know, you could do it all, whatever. But but there's something that happens when I get on my knees with my body that helps me posture my heart in a humble place. Mm. Something that happens when I get take my whole self. We're talking about holistic worship here, right? We're not trying to overemphasize the physical side of things. Yeah. But if you're going to worship God with your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, that's holistic. So we don't just worship God from our heart. We don't just worship God from our mind. We don't just worship God with our bodies. Some people do one or the other, right? If all you do is worship God with your body, then I would say, hey, I would encourage you to start worshiping God with your with your mind, the intellectual mm. side, engage your heart. But if you only in, you're only worshiping God with intellectual side, that's a great place to start. But if the Lord has called you to lift up your hands, then that then crossing over to His culture as a new creation who's now not. You know, as the Bible tells us, not male nor female, not Greek, not, you know, slave. You know, we are now a part of a new kingdom Then I would say he's calling us into, you know, I mean, gosh, it's as cliche, Duke, as as calling Peter to come out of the boat. Right. Mm-hmm. Our worship in the boat is the stuff that we're used to. And Jesus right. is right. never saying just stay in the boat. There's never yeah. anything that he ever does where he's saying stay in the boat. Mm-hmm. So he's calling us outside the boat in our worship too. That's really good. That's re- no, that's really, really helpful. Uh, I, I, I think about, I was thinking about this recently with uh, the way that we can kind of go to this place in our attitude sometimes with things that we feel like God's like requiring of us. The, 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 reason, the reason why it came up in my mind, it was like, um, I was reading the the passage in Matthew chapter six about forgiveness when, and it's like pretty, pretty intense, you know, kind of one of the rougher verses in scripture, as far as just a sobering verse where it's like, uh, God's like, if you don't forgive men, their trespasses, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And I try to reconcile that with the fact that I've been forgiven and the fact that I've been, you know, and, and just kind of thinking through some of these things. And I'm like, you know what? Like, who am I? Like, at the end of the day, like, who am I to question whether or not you're okay to put this requirement on me? And it's like, like God has given us so much grace and favor and freedom. He died for us. He came down from heaven to be rejected and ridiculed and beaten and went to the cross for us. He did everything to position us and to set us right with God. And it's based on his grace and not our works. And like, he's taken so he's taken everything off of our shoulders and put it on himself. And then like, for me to have the audacity to be like, oh, like all of a sudden there's this requirement where yeah. you're requiring, like you're asking I'm something of me, like choose, <laughs> I'm going to pick and choose which ones yes. seem to fit my taste and my upbringing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good. And I, and I think that um, the, the way that you uh, kind of define it, because I think it's a little bit of of both. Right. Like there's. There's this thing like for me, especially when I'm by myself and I've got some personal you know, time of worship with God. I mean, that can look like so many different things. Yeah. It can look like being so quiet. It could look like shouting. It could look like, yeah. like anything. But I think that, you know, that, uh, that, that corporate sort of expression of worship, I think that that matters. Like, I think that, as you said, where it was like all of the people raised their voices, all of the people fell on their faces before the Lord. Um, I just remember man, one of the most powerful things that I've ever just been a part of, uh, we were at this sort of outdoor open air 
worship night and it was while we were in mexico and um it was just in the middle of like the town like the downtown square kind of thing and yeah i mean thousands of people gathered together and there was this moment where it was just this this need that that just arose for us to just get on our knees just wow. bowing before the king of glory and it was like everybody was doing it you know and it wasn't i mean i'm sure there were a handful of people that were you know standoffish or whatever sure. but i mean for the most part i mean everybody was doing it and yeah. it wasn't this thing that was coerced yeah it was just like this is what this moment requires because this is what god is doing yes and i think that that is important for our growth in terms of yes our growth with the lord but also our connection with the body and it's so, you know, of course, it's so important for us to be connected to God's people, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and all of that. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think in that corporate setting, um, there's times where God is doing something specific. And it's like, like, I feel like we should be willing to engage with that, yeah. it, willing to engage with God, with what's going on in the moment, whether it's, you know, <laughs> Yeah, not not that everybody has to jump and dance and everybody has to do this in order for it to be considered worship. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like when there's an expression of something that seems like this isn't just we're not just singing a song anymore. There's something yeah. that feels like the, the, the Lord is is doing yeah. and like I should join my heart to that. Yeah. Right. You know, one of the things I would <clears throat> I would back up just a little bit, too, because some people might be listening like, ah, you know, I just feel so uncomfortable. And trust me, I get it. Remember, I, I, I didn't grow up like this at all. But see, I've decided in my own personal life, if there's something that's in here that God says, hey, I want you to do this. I don't want to hurt myself by being excluded from the wonderful thing that he's asked me to do. So I'm like, I think it's the most selfish thing you could ever do to obey all of the things that are in the word of God. I that makes sense. Like it's a biblical selfishness. Like it's actually really good for me when I do what God has yeah. said. Now it's good for the kingdom. It's relational because I'm now doing what God's asked me to do, but it's actually really good for me. And so if that's true, then it's actually really bad for me when I don't do what he's called me to do. So there's something that shifts in my heart when I lift up my hands or, or when I get on my knees. And so what I would say to some people, like, well, how am I supposed to do that? Are you saying I'm supposed to just go to church on Sunday and start dancing? Like, no, 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 no. Right. Number one, there's, 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 there's corporate things that are happening. Like you were saying, there's moments where if everyone's on their face, it doesn't make sense for you to be jumping and dancing, you know, or if everyone's jumping and dancing, it's probably not the right time to be still and know that he's God, you know? So there's mm. things that happen that everyone can partake in. Now, but what I would say is that doesn't, the place to grow that, to grow yourself or to stretch yourself is not in a public place. The place to stretch yourself is in the secret place. Yeah. You know, we talk about Matthew 6, where it says that, you know, don't go and parade and, and pray in front of everybody, you know, and make a scene. You know, but go into the secret place and, and pray and seek the Lord. Well, I would say that would be the time if you would like to begin obeying what the word of God says in a physical sense of worship. Of course, we want get in the whole thing, heart, soul, mind, strength. But that would be a good time to start. And this is how I started. I'm like, I joke about this, but I put on a fast worship song in by myself. You know, I would go down in my basement by myself, crank it up. And I would look down at my feet and say, feet. 
The Bible says to dance. I don't feel like dancing. I didn't grow up dancing, but I do. I do. I, I do love my God. And I do think that he's worthy of celebration. You know, if I can dance at a football game, you know, I'm going to be jumping right. up and down as the Broncos are, you know, playing tonight or whatever. And I'm going to be shouting and all that stuff. But but I'm supposed to be real quiet in church. Come on. God's yes. done way more for me than the Broncos ever yes. have. Or will. Yes. You know, so you're telling me I can't respond. If I can respond to a football game, I can't respond. And every person has something that they'll shout about whether it's an engagement ring that some quiet little mousy girl received, she's jumping, ah, you know, whatever. There's something that everybody will celebrate. And why not God? So I would say get into your, in your time of floor and maybe you start simple, like just get on your knees in your bedroom. Just that one physical act. When was the last time you were on your knees in your bedroom? When was the last time you lifted up both hands in your bedroom? Even like while you're praying, there's actually more, biblical examples of people lifting their hands as they're praying than they are singing. There's both, but mm. lifting your hands to God is a symbol and say, God, I am yours. I surrender to you. I'm telling you there's things that will shift in your heart when you do the things that God has called you to do. So it, it's powerful, but that's what I would say. Just do a little bit at a time, begin to step out in faith for people who are a little bit resistant or unsure. Just begin to do that stuff in the secret place as you worship God. Yeah, that's really good. And and it's and it's not like uh the kind of thing again where God's like coercing yeah. you or God's wanting to pull a particular kind or style yeah. or expression of worship out of you. Yeah. I think it's really as you said like it's more so I think it's more so for us so that we can grow and so that we can learn to connect with God in different ways and and really I think a lot of it comes down to freedom. Yes. And, and I don't think it's like, you know, I might be a more of a reserved person by nature and I never dance like I would never. You know what I mean? Like if I'm the kind of person like I would never shout at a football game, I would never do this or that or whatever. Then maybe you could say like there's maybe some it, it kind of makes sense that my expression to God in worship is maybe expressed in a different way. Sure. But I would just say, like, even with that, like, don't 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 think that you are. Uh, like require because you could restrict yourself on both sides like you can restrict yourself to a requirement of oh i'm not worshiping the right way yeah. or you could kind of go at it the the other way where you say no like this is who this is who i am this is how i've always done it so i'm going to continue to do it and then like not allow yourself to to break through in an area where maybe god wants you to experience some more freedom in a different way and mm -hmm. uh you know it is i think that there's particular ways like so many of the ways that you've mentioned that are all throughout the scripture yeah. where you know the people danced before the lord and the people wow. shouted and they raised their hands and they were quiet and they fell on their faces and these different expressions where it's like we might not experience every single one of those things every sunday morning exactly but you know what i mean it's Probably just over like the course of a, a lifetime, matter of the, the heart yeah over the course of a life course of a lifetime yeah authentic worshipers like worshiping with dancing and shouting doesn't make you authentic but if you're an authentic right. worshiper, there's typically the fruit of, of these other expressions of worship. Right. I'll give you one more example, too, is the extravagant worshiper, right? The the woman who broke open the perfume on Jesus' feet. That's a that's a um, a metaphor of extravagant, costly worship. Mm. And I think one of the things that we're most afraid of is what people will think 
when we get physical in worship. It Absolutely. crazy. So it's not that physical worship is the only, because with that example of her breaking open the perfume, it's also about money and value and worth. You know, we talk about worship being worth ship. Like what is something valued to you? Um, and so you so you see that example of extravagant worship that everyone ridiculed and made fun of. Like, who is why is she doing this? We could have taken that money and give it to the poor, you know. And uh, yeah. but there was an aroma that Jesus is highlighting here. He's like, look. I'm telling you that your definition of worship is different than mine. My definition of worship is when it's costly, it might look weird. It might seem strange. Mm. It might seem out of place. Um, you know, all those types of things. So again, I think you're right in the sense that we don't have to sit there and go, okay, am I, am I worshiping the right way? Am I, am I worshiping the wrong way? <laughs> but once you, once you learn some of these things, um, one of the, the, I, I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but, the idea here um, is that that there, when Jesus responded to the woman, the the woman who broke open the perfume, he said to the leaders there present, he said, "Now here's the deal. This woman has had a revelation of how she has sinned and the forgiveness that she's received. So therefore, there's a great response mm. from her because she has a great revelation of what." She's been forgiven of. Now, he wasn't saying to the Pharisees, and you guys haven't been forgiven very much, so therefore you don't need to worry about this. No, he's not saying, he was saying, no, everybody should have that revelation. Doesn't mean it matter if you're good or better than somebody else. All of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short. Mm. And we should all. So, what he's saying is, if you have a small revelation, of how much you've been forgiven and what God has done for you, chances are you're going to have a small response in worship and in life. Not just musical worship, but you're going to be like, oh, yeah, thanks, God. Appreciate the cross. Hey, it's great. Right. Good stuff you got there, you know. <laughs> but if you had a revelation of what you've been saved from, you just, I mean, you're going to be blown away. You're going to be falling on your face going, oh, my mm. gosh, Lord, you have saved me. So. Typically, the greater the revelation that you have and your personal understanding of who God is and what he saved you from, the greater response in life and in worship, yeah. not just with singing, but the way you handle your money, the way you handle your time, all those things, right? So yeah. small response is, is, is based on typically small revelation. So when we have a greater revelation, there's typically a greater response in worship. Wow. Yeah, that's so good. I, I see that same principle with uh, David in Second Samuel chapter six, when they're dancing, he's dancing before the Ark of the Covenant and and he's uh, uncovered, so to speak, like he's uh -huh. not in his kingly garments. He's in a priestly yep. ephod. Exactly. He's in a priestly garment and he's just dancing and twirling and just in, in just loving on the Lord in a very extravagant way. And then what happens? His one his his, his wife, Michal, she yep. she despises him in her heart and then she ridicules him. She's like, you know, uh, how great did the king of Israel look today uncovered mm -hmm. in the eyes of all the, you know, like like all the just like that sarcastic kind of a tone. Yep. And I love his response because he says it was before the Lord who chose me. Yes. And and I, I love that response because like that wasn't for you. Yeah, like that, that that wasn't about the people that were watching because we can do an ex, you know this extreme expression where we can make it about oh, us. Yeah, 
right? Like we can make it about like all, like I want the eyes on me. I want people to see how spiritual I am or whatever. Like we can do that. Uh, But he's like, this wasn't about you. This wasn't about anybody that was just happened to be watching me. This was the, the Lord, the Lord chose me when nobody else chose me. He chose me. And so it's out of that expression, yeah. out of that revelation, out of that heart desire of, of God, you've given me so much. You've chosen me. You've accepted me. And so I'm going to express my heart to you in extravagant worship. And for, you know, for one extravagant worship, you know, extravagant worship is not defined by how many times you can spin around. Like, right. you know, it might look it's going to look different from person to person for you. An extravagant form of worship might not have very much movement at all. But it's uh, but the point is to not get stuck in that box of I'm only going to give this much because it's where I'm comfortable. But yeah. uh, I think be open to, you know, opening your heart and expressing worship to God in, in an extravagant yeah. way. Well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, he also told Mikhail, he's like, you know, you, you know, because she said that, that everybody would ridicule him. But he's like, no, actually, these people are actually going to be these servants and maidservants and all those people who you said would think I was uh, an idiot for doing this actually have high respect for me because mm. of because of my leadership in dancing and, and celebrating the king of kings who clearly should be celebrated. Yes. You know, it's like it's like the people who stood by and went. Of course, this is one of those passages where it says that all the people celebrated with all their might. That's mm-hmm. 2 Samuel chapter 6, too. So it wasn't just David. Yeah. It was all yeah. the people celebrated with all their might. And so it was the apropos thing to do. Like, we were bringing the presence yeah. of God back. <laughs> the, 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 the ark had been taken. Now it's coming back. I mean, like, who's sitting by going, Crazy. oh, that, that's cool. That's really great. Yeah. Glad we got the <laughs> ark back. Great. We're just going to save our nation, man. We're, we're it's, it's a huge yeah. But then what's interesting, too, and I'll just leave this with you here but is what the last sentence is in that chapter. You have it right there in front of you? Uh, I don't, but I, I've got my Bible right. here. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, is, are, you talking, are you talking about where he says uh, that she didn't have any kids? Yeah, that she remained <laughs> barren for the rest of her life. And I think that has to do with a spiritual fruitlessness for those who reject okay. God's ways. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's a, it's a metaphor. But it wasn't just like, oh, just for her. But this is like anybody who says, hey, I'm going to reject the um, extravagant. I mean, again, I, I don't even think of, of celebrating in that way over God as, as extravagant. I mean, it should be pretty, pretty normal, to be honest. Like, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. who God is, is so yeah. amazing that I don't think you could out-worship him. You know how you've heard people say, you can't out-give God, right? Because like you try to, you know, that you, you hear people abuse that phrase, but but still, like, it, it makes sense. You can't out-give God. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give so much that God could never give back to me or whatever, you know, can handle it. I mean, God owns it all. So he can, he can, so you could, I don't think you could ever truly be too extravagant that God would go, hey, 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 settle down there, buddy. You know, now again, if you're trying to make a show, you're trying to, you know, draw attention to yourself. But, but I I honestly don't think that that's typically the issue. Um, Honestly, the word distraction is one of those words that people are like, wow, they were being distracting. Like, dude, Mm. if you keep your eyes on Jesus instead of on that person that was worshiping extravagantly, you would have been so distracted, you know, just 
focus, wow. bro. If you would focus on Jesus the way that person's focused on Jesus, number one, if they are in the flesh, you wouldn't be worried about it because you'd be focusing on Jesus. Jesus will take care of that person if they're in the flesh. Don't you worry about it. You just worship <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, you don't need to be the worship police. Yeah, that's really good. Right? right? Who made you the worship? Who made me? And again, people will say, Jeff, worship leaders will tell me, Jeff, I don't I don't really feel comfortable telling people how to worship. I'm like, bro, two things to that. Mm. You're not telling people, you're inviting people. Never tell people what to do. The whole kingdom is an invitation, right? So, so you invite people to lift up their hands. You invite people, but you're not doing that. God has already given those directives. You're just echoing what God has done. So you're not telling people what to do. You're just inviting them to join in what God has already said. Yeah. Love it so much. The moral of the story, keep your eyes on Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. And step out of the boat, man. I mean, again, I'll echo that, that encouragement. I didn't know we were going to talk about all this physical worship stuff. I do talk about it quite a bit, you know, in Spark. I have a whole chapter that is called God Wants Your Body. And I think it's one of the craziest uh, titles I've ever come up with. But but the idea there is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Give your bodies to God. Yes. Your body is part of who you are. It's not the whole yes. thing, but it is part of who you are. And you should join with your heart and your mind with your body to worship God. Love it, man. Well, I know you got to run, my friend. Uh, yes, so um, real quick, we've mentioned the books. Um, they can go to jeffdio.com. D-O yeah. is D-E-Y-O. Uh, yeah, jeffdio.com. Find uh, your books and some other resources and material there. Find it on Amazon. Anything else that we want to add? To yeah, that? I would love to encourage because I don't want well, two things about my music, too, because we don't really talk about it that much because we're doing, you know, book stuff. But I did release last year an, an instrumental piano, uh, kind of worship piano type of album. It was a five-song EP. So you can go to Spotify so or, or um, yeah. Amazon or to Apple Music or wherever, and you can look that music up. And then also, as a part of North Central University, I'm a part of producing and uh, writing, co-writing with our students at North Central and I would really encourage you. We just released four brand new singles this summer. Another one is coming out this coming Friday. Uh, what is that? The 16th of September, uh, our final single for this year. And so NCU Worship Live is the artist name. NCU Worship Live. And uh, check the, that those songs out, man. I mean, there's some powerful, powerful songs there. I'm really proud of our students. Uh, it doesn't sound like what you would think a college uh, recording sound like it's, it's really really mm. well done and just passionate full of the spirit uh just catchy easy to lead worship songs too so yeah um yeah highly recommend all of that uh your your instrumental worship um music is in my my rotation man i use it it's a it's been a great tool for me to help me just connect with god in my personal time mm. and uh i've used it in church settings too and i i appreciate it so thank you for all that you do there brother Thank appreciate you, man. Appreciate it too. Well, thank you, everybody, for stopping by. Appreciate you guys as well. Have an awesome rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Uh, be blessed, everybody. See ya.